for the owner who's in growth maturity and looking to get out, don't start the process today and expect to sell in six months to retire and do that successfully. It's minimum five years, ideally 10 years is kind of when you get the wheels rolling and thinking about what this transition looks like, but really trying to systematizing your business, duplicate yourself and do that a few times and create a business that can run while you're not there. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's Lindsay. This week, Joe interviews Nick Momberkett of Newground Financial Incorporated, based in Nova Scotia, Canada. Nick guides entrepreneurs and four impact leaders with Newground. He's also the podcast host of The Interesting People You Meet, which we'll provide a link to in our show notes. With over 12 years of experience, Nick is also a certified employee benefits specialist, and he brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to solving business owners' most challenging employee benefits in corporate planning situations. He was also named one of the best financial advisors under 40 in Canada and a top 40 under 40 rising star by wealth professional. Enjoy. Hey, Nick. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Oh, excited to have you on. And we were just talking before the show. It's been a long time since you and I saw each other, but we met early on in our careers, I guess you could say, in this industry. We have, yeah. And it's kind of neat. The reason why we met, uh, what were we, top 25, under five years in the industry with a specific provider. It's kind of neat how, you know, only the strong survive. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's what they definitely say about this industry for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure we got a lot of stories we could tell each other. But anyway, thanks for having me on, Joe. Yeah, no, it's great. So I'm looking forward to having this chat. A lot has changed. Both of us are kind of probably a little more focused on what we're doing now. And so I'm excited to have you on today because I want to have a bit of a conversation around some benefits for employees and on the employer side or business owner side, pensions kind of what people can expect. So that's a kind of a big part of what I want to talk about. And the other side is, you know, a lot of people listening to this are business owners who are also getting closer to retirement and just want to talk about maybe some things you're seeing from the successful business owners you're talking to about, you know, how they're keeping and retaining clients, benefits they're providing, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. That's actually where we could just kind of start. What are you seeing some of the successful business owners you're chatting with? What are they doing to attract and retain clients? Yeah, attracting, retaining clients and and perhaps even talent. I just think that the differentiator is, and it's so simple, it's just being organized, having a process, having a plan. If I could hang on talent for a minute. So how we successfully attract and retain talent, like competitive compensation packages, like it's a must here on the East Coast. I think it is in Ontario and West. Employee benefits program is part of that. So health, dental, life insurance. A great culture is super important. I think it's super important for our generation, those younger than us, those in between us and the boomers. It used to be a word that's thrown around a lot. And I think it's one that's super important that shouldn't be overlooked by business owners who are successful, who are closer to retirement. 
I think that talent is looking not so much for a huge paycheck, although they feel they're entitled to it right away for whatever reason. But in addition to that, it's more the ability to learn and grow and to be part of an organization where you're valued, your voice is heard. You might not be able to make decisions yet, depending on when we're entering into that organization, but one where there's the ability to grow, to add skills, to move up the chain, uh, that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. And things are picking up on talent there versus clients. <laughs> I know, right? That's where I was going with that. Yeah. Some of this might kind of be the opposite of what you did just say, but I know you're talking to a lot of different people. So are there things specifically standing out between maybe where you're seeing businesses and business owners having success versus those who are not? Yeah. When we offer and think about our business and who our clients are, we do help businesses in kind of the three stages of startup growth and maturity. And I think that there's a different mindset generally from ownership and management, depending on which bucket they're in. You know, startup is get money, find people, sell products, introduce whatever, and just try and like pay your bills. Growth is generally okay. Now we've got some cash flow, we're building some structure, we're building some team, and we're looking for other opportunities. And maturity is, oh, well, we kind of got it figured out. We've hit a certain level of income, growth, revenue, success. And now we're looking to succeed that business. So just based on that merit, there's a different mindset absolutely across the board, depending on that business owner. And then certainly their personalities or whatnot. But like, I think what hinders your success as a business owner is a scarcity mindset and not really digging in and thinking like, how do we want to grow this thing? What is our vision? What are our values? What are we trying to accomplish here? You know, you can be a great plumber and hang a shingle and probably make 2 million bucks in a couple of years. And that's a good business, right? But like, have you done anything to really create a business or you're just a really good plumber that hired five other really good plumbers? So I think the differentiator in a truly sort of creating a long, you know, business that has longevity is recognizing our skills and talents, hiring around that, finding others who have skills and talents that we don't have, putting them in the right seat, and then finding a way to step back and then try to multiply what you've done. Whereas I think the unsuccessful business owner tries to do everything themselves through startup, and maybe they hit growth from an income perspective. And then that's kind of it. You cap out. There's only so much time in the day. So developing teams and systems and processes, I think, is super important and what differentiates you know, one who's super successful from one who's not. Yeah, I think that's great. And as I mentioned, a lot of people listening are going to be closer to retirement, thinking about selling their business and probably relying on that in order to make a transition to a successful retirement. So I think what you're talking about right now is also really important about not only being successful, but also creating value within the business. So any other things that come to mind when you think of ways business owners can be increasing the value in their business? So when they are ready for an exit, they're going to get the, kind of that maximum dollar? Yeah, I think so. So I'm a partner in another organization called New Ground Leadership, and this is really what we focus on there. So we're value builder advisors. I don't know if you've heard of the book or you understand Built to Sell. So yeah. two of my colleagues specialize in this. And you know, there's really eight metrics in that model that talk about how you can value your business, You know, financial performance, growth potential, are you referable, or do you have recurring revenue? So for the owner who's in growth maturity and looking to get out, don't start the process today and expect to sell in six months, I think is super important. And I think that aligns a lot, perhaps, Joe, with what you do and when you're coaching entrepreneurs to retire and do that successfully is minimum five years, ideally 10 years is kind of when you get the wheels rolling and thinking about what this transition looks like. But really trying to, and I've said it, I think, already, but is 
systematizing your business, duplicate yourself and do that a few times and create a business that can run while you're not there. So you can go away on a month or two vacation and you come back and ultimately you may have a bunch of emails, but nothing's there. Or perhaps you even have staff that check your emails, which is really awesome too. So creating that system. One of the questions I think, because I've acquired a few businesses as well, is if I'm going to buy a business, I'm willing to pay more if that thing runs itself and all I have to do is finance it and or if I can cash flow it, that's even better. So if I'm the seller, that's kind of the mindset you want to put. If I was to buy my own business, how much would I pay for it? Taking the emotion out of it and the fact that I love it and it's in our family and all those things, what's the true value? Would I pay more? if it had a working CRM or if there weren't files all over the place and all those types of things. So I think, you know, those are some things that you can think about pre-retirement and how you can add more value is like, what do buyers want? Buyers want systems. Buyers really will pay more, I think, for an organization that runs like a tight ship and the people run it, not you. Yeah. That's huge. I agree hundred percent. That's all great. So maybe we'll kind of turn the page a little bit This is kind of applicable to, could be to business owners, but also just anyone else kind of approaching retirement. So often when we're working, we have our health benefits. Like you mentioned, we're talking about benefits that are available. Yeah. But a lot of people wonder what happens when I retire. So if we're used to having that health and dental package and our travel insurance, all that kind of stuff, it's just part of our compensation package. Once we retire, what happens then? Do we need to get you know, personal health insurance, or does the government take care of everything? What does that look like? I think some of our our listeners, that's definitely something on their mind. Yeah, it's an important thing. And just from a structure process and timing, again, 10 years out, you should be having these conversations with your advisor, be it Joe or, or us or someone else. The government isn't always going to take care of you. What's an interesting thing, depending on where you're listening to this from in Canada, is that every province operates differently and their medical care systems are different. So, you know, if you're in Ontario, Joe, and I'm here in Nova Scotia, our health plans that the provinces offer are, are pretty different, like really different, actually. So I'll give an example. If you're here in Nova Scotia and you happen to have a business and you retire tomorrow but don't have private health care, you're basically, you know, depending on your age, if you're under 65, you're on the hook for your health care to pay personally. If you want to go on a provincial pharmacare plan in Nova Scotia and you're under age 65, this plan is income tested, which means if I was a business owner and made a pile of money and now I'm retiring, that makes it pretty challenging. I could pay a huge deductible, a large chunk of money up front every year before the government will give me a cent. That exists across multiple provinces in Canada. Ontario, you know, you have the Ontario Drug Plan and Trillium. It's a little different, but I would be an advocate as an advisor, not just because, you know, it's a mutual win-win if we're able to help, but having supplemental health insurance, I think, is really important. And it's something that you should plan for ahead of time. Usually these provincial programs, depending on the province, again, it's a disclaimer, but some may exist. They may be relatively affordable but perhaps they're not as comprehensive as what you were used to on your traditional benefits program. And that's something to analyze, to have someone help you go, what do I have now? And what does that look like if I'm able to go to the province or say our plans with one of the big five insurance cares, our benefits program, and we go to retire and those insurance cares will generally send you a piece of paper that says, hey, you've retired. Great. You can transfer to our XYZ retirement benefits plan. The big message I'd like to leave, depending on the size of the company, if you're small to medium-sized business, it's really going to be a highly scaled-down version of what you were used to. It's not the same benefits plan, which I think is a misconception, and a lot of people, I have to coach them and teach them about that. So it's great to have this platform to share that. Like, 
yeah, plan ahead in Atlantic Canada. One of the insurance carriers here will allow you to buy a program that medically underwrites you today and offers you a comprehensive healthcare program when you lose your benefits program. So that's really neat because one of the things that happens is if we lose benefits and the insurance carrier says, here's our watered down version, that might not be comprehensive enough to get you where you need to be. However, if you can plan ahead and lock that health insurance in, then you're not having to be medically underwritten. And that's a process in which I lose my benefits at retirement. I go to an insurance carrier and say, hey, I need healthcare. And they're like, great, tell me about your health history. And all these exclusions happen or you become declined and then you're kind of stuck. And if you have any major medical conditions between you and your partner, that can be a huge strain, I think, on your financial planning, which totally impacts. I'm on a medication that costs $30,000 a year and I had planned to make 60 or 80 net in retirement what are you going to do? That really hurts your nest egg. So this planning, Joe, I think is a great question. It's something that I would encourage all business owners, all employees who are within five and 10 years or even 20 years of retirement to think about what this could look like and you know how you'd manage that. Yeah, that's no, perfect. That's going even more in depth. I'm going to have to follow up with you on a few questions on this, <laughs> especially that planning ahead. Yeah. It's not something that honestly, we've talked a lot about. It's something usually we're addressing kind of as we're coming up on retirement. So mm-hmm. no, I love that idea. That's great. So if we flip off the health benefits, yeah, you know, a lot of people also have some kind of whether it's a pension or group RSP, so different retirement benefits available to them while they're working. So maybe we could touch a little bit on what some of those are, some of the more common ones. And what does that process look like getting from, you know, I'm saving, putting money into these different benefit plans, like the pension. Yep. But now I want to start taking a paycheck. Yeah. Again, a process that should start sooner than later as you're approaching retirement to better understand this. So hopefully this information is helpful and I'll make it pretty basic, but I'm sure Joe, you covered a lot of these things in the past, but you know, most companies now are offering a group RSP, a registered retirement savings plan. I put in a dollar, my employer puts in a dollar and we do that, you know, the length of my career. And when I retire, what can happen is once I retire, I'll get a form called an option statement from the investment company or the insurance carrier, whoever managed the money. And they say, hey, you can leave your money with us and no one will ever give you a phone call and you can kind of carry on. And it's really cheap to do that. And I would advise against that. I think using a boutique brokerage is probably the way to go and an actual advisor. The other option is you can move it to another financial institution and or to an advisor like myself and Joe. So the group RRSP, if you have one at your employer, it moves to a group RRSP at another institution when you retire and you can riff it, turn it into an income stream, a registered retirement income fund, which can pay you a monthly amount based on your age etc. So that's one option. A lot of employers do have this group RRSP and deferred profit sharing DPSP combination plan. They do that for tax efficiencies. What it means for you as the person who's retiring, if you're not the owner, you would have access to one of these. So you'd have your RRSP, you get the same form, what I just talked about. And then the deferred profit sharing program is another form. And that's treated more like a pension. So that runs with regard, it adheres to your provincial pension legislation. So that DPSP money would move into a locked-in retirement account or a LIF, a life income fund, which is an income stream from this retirement savings. It's got a bit more handcuffs on it as far as how much you can take out, you know, minimum, maximum, but any great advisor can sort of help you navigate that. And then I think lastly, it's just a traditional pension. So deferred or defined contribution, 
is one that you can pull out and it goes into a long-term retirement account or a LIF again, and or you know a defined benefit, a DB, which is large companies generally offer those. And that just kind of says you've worked for this many years, here's your monthly benefit amount and until you move on, et cetera. So those are, I think, some of the, what I would say, group RSP, deferred profit sharing plan and pension, defined contribution, defined benefit are really the most common. All of them, once you retire or terminate, you'll get an option statement with something to do. And ideally, you've talked to an advisor about a year or two, at least ahead of time to find out what the heck an option statement means and how you can navigate through that and integrate that into your current financial plan. Yeah. And so depending on the size of your company, like you might have someone within your company, right, that can help you with some of these options. If it's a smaller company, you might want to just get the options and take it to your advisor if you have an advisor. And one of the other things I always tell people to make sure they're looking at in those group RSPs, basically all those plans where you have control of the money is make sure you're not just kind of taking the default that came when you signed up for the plan, right? So <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah. Ideally, if you don't know what your you know ideal allocation should look like for those investments, make sure you're talking to somebody who understands what's available in there and understands your situation so they can help kind of guide you on how that should be set up. Because, you know, seeing a lot of scenarios where people are just putting money in, their employer is matching it. And for 10 years, it's just been sitting in like a bank account, more or less, just in cash, not getting any growth. A couple of years ago, a young person, a young professional, highly educated, early 30s, had saved maybe 150000 in their group RSP. And they, you know, asked us to help them. And that was the first thing I said, where are you at? And they showed us and they had been in cash for like from 2010 to 2020, which as Joe would know, was a big growth period overall. And yeah, it was kind of, please pay attention to that. It's super important. I think it highlights the importance of advice. Perhaps there is someone in your office that can help you with that. But what I've seen a lot from small, again, depending on the size of your organization, but if you're 10 to 200 employees and maybe you have an HR department, like you have to remember that they're not financial advisors. They don't have the training that Joe does or that I do. And they may be able to say, go in the target date fund. It's the easiest thing. And that's what 99% of the people go into. But the importance of finding a great financial advisor or financial consultant to help you through that retirement planning process is super important because you can overlook uh, some of these things and miss out on a lot of growth. Yeah. And sometimes it's just little things, right? Like one small decision or one missed thing can have an entirely different outcome at the end of the day. It can. All important. So I think with that, you know, we've talked about a lot of good things here today, Nick. So I appreciate that. Maybe we'll wrap it up. I'll flip it back to you to just let our listeners know, you know, where can they find out more about what you're doing, your companies, all that kind of stuff. For sure. So I'm the founder of a company called Newground Financial. We're based here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm a partner in another organization called Newground Leadership, newgroundfinancial.com, newgroundleadership.com. I also host a podcast called The Interesting People You Meet. And hopefully soon we'll have Joe on there as a guest as well. So that's where you can find me. You can find me on LinkedIn or just kind of Google Nick Mombriquette and I should show up. Perfect. I appreciate your time, Nick. It's been fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Joe. Anytime. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. 
Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.